Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. In the previous program, I was talking about what it means to live. For the most part, people live in one of two different ways. The first way that people live is by living in the world, trying to get as much as they can or whatever they want out of the world, that their focus in their life is trying to get things or to participate in things by going to places or experiencing different activities, but their focus is in the world. The second way that people live is as a result of not being able to obtain the things that they want or be able to do the things that they want to do. They usually seek for divine intervention to assist them or to help them make their desires a reality. They hope to get from the world what they want from the world by living in obedience to God in some way, by repenting from their sins and by living in obedience to his commandments. There is an expectation that through their religion, through their religious activity, he will intervene in a divine way to provide them with the things that they were not able to acquire otherwise. But I was explaining in the previous program that there is another way to live, and that way is to live on the basis of what you have. Now, when a person does not know their God, they obviously have nothing. And when a person first gets saved, they may have all that they need for life and godliness, but they may have no idea what they truly have, or even if they do know what they have, they may have no idea or no understanding of how to apply what they have in their daily lives. And I personally believe that this is a growth experience. It is an experience of growth and maturity where people will mature in their faith as they discover more and more what they have in Christ and how to apply what they have in Christ in their daily lives. Now, an important question to ask, of course, is, is he really enough? Is our God truly enough? Well, it depends on your point of view. If you are more interested in the things that he has created than you are in him, it's going to be very difficult for you to acknowledge that he truly is enough. In many cases, people turn to him because they have no alternative, and then they look at him as sort of like the consolation prize, where they weren't able to get everything that they wanted out of the world, and so they'll turn to him and say, well, he's enough, he's adequate. But I don't think that's what he had in mind. Now, I do believe that it is true that he will meet the deepest needs of our heart, and as a result of our heart being fulfilled, of the inner part of our being being fulfilled, as a result of that, I do believe that our lives can be full, our lives can be complete. We can experience a life of peace and rest, even though we are not able to obtain all that we want to obtain or do all the things that we want to do, that we can actually live a life being okay with that. However, when a person first comes to know the Lord, and even for a few years afterwards or even longer, 
It is very difficult for a person to embrace what I'm talking about. When I say that the Lord is enough in your life, it's very difficult to really understand or appreciate what that means. It is my belief that this is something that a person discovers over time. It is not something that a person spontaneously discovers five minutes after they've been born again by the Spirit and they begin to live their lives with complete satisfaction because of their dependency and their trust in the living God. I don't see that as being a reality. And so it's my opinion, it's my belief that God wants us to struggle with these issues. He wants us to wrestle with these issues and discover what he has revealed over the course of our lifetime. And so our life is certainly to be a life of peace and rest. However, it is also to be a discovery of the peace and rest that he has called us to. And so you certainly should not feel guilty if you are still struggling with the issues of the world, if you are still struggling with the fact that you don't have everything you want and you can't do all the things you want to do. I understand those kinds of struggles, and I don't think that a person should feel ashamed or guilty if they are not resting and trusting in the Lord. Because, and the reason why I say this is not to give people an excuse, I say that because this is a description of the growth of a believer. So let me ask you, is it okay for a believer to grow? Is it okay for a believer to mature? Is it okay to allow someone the time and the space and the room to be able to do that? Or do you expect them to be like the Lord Jesus walking around on the face of the earth the day after they get saved? I personally don't think that that's appropriate. In fact, the wrestling of these issues, when a person wrestles with these issues, there are many wonderful opportunities to discover more about the nature and the character and the very being of your God. It is through wrestling with him wrestling with your God, wrestling with these issues, and living your life with degrees of uncertainty, and living your life with the unknown, and living your life discovering things that you did not know before, things that were once unknown that now have been revealed, a life of discovery, a life of participating in the world with the struggles and with the issues that you have in your life. That is the kind of life that he has called us to. Is it a better life than the life in the world? Of course it is. Is it a better life than a life in religion? Of course it is. But it doesn't mean that you are in heaven because you're not. You're still in this world and you are to participate in it. One day we will go to heaven and these issues will certainly become obsolete, but we are not there yet and it's okay. And the Lord is using these issues of life, using these opportunities to struggle in order to grow us, in order to mature us, in order to show us who he is a little bit at a time to the degree that we can handle, that we can withstand the scope, the nature of our God. Now, in Romans chapter 1, verse 17, Paul quotes from Habakkuk. In verse 17, he says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed, referring to in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed, from faith to faith as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. This is a quote from Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. In Habakkuk chapter 2, Habakkuk addresses the issues of life. He addresses the struggles that people have when they are living. In Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, he says, Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right 
within him. But the righteous will live by his faith. You see, those who do not know their God, their soul within them will not be at peace. And of course, the primary obstacle is an individual's pride. That is the primary obstacle. I can't address that right now because of what I'm trying to focus on in this program. But the pride of humanity is truly what prevents them from discovering what I'm talking about in terms of this other way of life, the life that our God has called us to. But he says that the righteous will live by his faith, not by his pride. And he goes on and he describes other things about the individual who is not willing to live, trusting and relying on the truth that the Lord has revealed, and responding to that truth by living their daily life. What I mean by living your daily life is that when you go out into the world, when you leave your home, or even when you go from room to room in your own home, when you engage the world, you are going to constantly be bombarded with opportunities to make decisions. And most of the decisions that we make are made for selfish reasons. They're made for our own personal self-interest. But unfortunately, these decisions are often biased by the emptiness that is within us, the emptiness that we are trying to have fulfilled. The decisions that we make in life are normally affected by the emptiness that a person has within them when the needs that they have are not being met. They will go out into the world, they will make decisions, they will do things, they will pursue things, they will not do things. There are things that people will do and they are motivated not necessarily out of an intellectual decision, but normally out of a decision of the emptiness that they have within their very being. That's what he's talking about. But the righteous will not live by their emptiness. No, the righteous will live by the fullness, by what they have, not by what they hope that they might get because they don't have, but the righteous live on the basis of what they have. And again, if you only know a little bit about what the Lord has given to you, you live with that. And the more you live, the more he will certainly reveal. But one of the indicators that shows that an individual is not living by faith is described in the following verse. In verse 5, he speaks about alcohol. He speaks about an individual who just simply drinks. And one of the characteristics of an individual who's drinking, especially to the extent that they get drunk, now I personally don't think that there's anything wrong with drinking alcohol, but I do believe that it is wrong to become intoxicated. I do believe that that is inappropriate and that that is not what our God intended for alcohol to be used for. But in this context, it is clear to me that this is an individual who's effectively numbing their mind. They're consuming alcohol in order to distract themselves from their circumstances that they are in. He says, furthermore, wine betrays the haughty man so that he does not stay at home. He enlarges his appetite like Sheol, and he is like death, never satisfied. He also gathers to himself all nations and collects to himself all peoples. In other words, he is never satisfied. And he is never okay with being at home. He will never be at rest. He will never be at peace. And the struggle that we have concerning this is great. It is intense. One of the ways that people cope with this is by consuming alcohol in order to numb their brain and so that they can be distracted from the emptiness that is within them. That is the issue, is that people will medicate themselves either with alcohol or drugs or other things, as a way of distracting themselves 
from the emptiness that is within them. But I want to encourage you to embrace the emptiness. Embrace the emptiness with the acknowledgement that your God wants to meet those needs and fill your heart with himself because he created you in such a way that you will never be fulfilled until you receive him and all that he has for you. He has created us in such a way that we will not experience any peace. He will not allow us to experience any peace until we do that. In verse 6, in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 6, he speaks about people who expect to be rich by borrowing money from other people. He talks about individuals who live off of the labor of someone else. This is definitely an indication of an individual who's trying to get the most that they can out of this world, that's for sure. One of the ways that they can do that is by borrowing from someone else. And what does this really mean? Well, this means that a person does not want to take their time to do something that they obviously do not want to do, namely work. They don't want to take their time to do that. They would prefer to live off of the labor of someone else. And one of the ways of doing that is by borrowing money. And perhaps you know people like that who borrow money in order to enjoy life today, but are they going to pay that money back? Well, they might. They might not. We don't know, and they probably don't know either. And for the most part, many people don't care. They just borrow the money, they spend it, they enjoy their life, and who cares if they're going to have to pay that back? Now, of course, he goes on and he explains in verse 7 that the creditors are going to definitely rise up against this individual, and that certainly is happening today as well. But there are many people who just don't care. Their needs are so powerful that they are willing to deny reality. And what I mean by that is that they are willing to deny the reality that they are eventually going to have to pay for that. That in many cases, people don't really believe that they're going to have to pay for that. They believe that someone else is going to pay for that or they're going to find a way to just simply default and not do that. But there will be consequences. There always is and there always will be. But this is one of the things that people do. They are so consumed with wanting to have their needs met that they are willing to put themselves into debt to do so. But when you go into debt, you go into slavery. You go into a form of bondage. And you may certainly experience some enjoyment now, but you will experience pain and suffering and greater pain and suffering later when you pay for it with interest. Habakkuk continues in chapter 4 into verse 8 and says that there's others who just simply engage in theft, in looting, will just go steal from somebody else. Now, that is an indication that an individual is empty. That is an indication that they are willing to hurt someone else through theft, that they are so committed to themselves, they are so devoted to trying to find a way to satisfy themselves, that they are willing to take things that do not belong to them by force, if necessary, that they are willing to steal from someone else to commit acts of violence in order to feel okay with themselves. Now, when I say that, it sounds a little absurd. But the reason why is because people underestimate the serious condition that we are really in. We are in a very serious condition being empty. 
being separated from our God, being dead in this world and not being alive to our God. We're in a very serious condition. If an individual does not know their God, if an individual is not at rest and is not at peace in their own heart, then they will be driven to find a way to have some peace, some rest in their hearts. Now, is this going to do it? Are these kinds of things going to satisfy them? Is the alcohol, the medications, are the loans, is the theft? Absolutely not. He goes on into verse 9 and he talks about fraud. Woe to him who gets evil gain for his house. Evil gain for his house. That is a description of fraud, of deceiving people, of lying to people of taking advantage of circumstances and situations, and you may be able to do so within the boundaries of the law, and yet they are still wrong. They are still a form of theft. You are obtaining gain from someone else's loss. If you obtain gain from someone else's loss, you are engaged in a form of fraud. That is not what our God has called us to. But do you see Do you see the depths of what people will pursue what people will go through in order to find a way to be at peace in their own hearts. But does this happen? No. These things will never satisfy an individual. You cannot medicate yourself to the point where you will be at peace and at rest. Certainly not the kind that your God created you for. You cannot borrow enough money and live off of the labor of others to the extent where you will feel a sense of peace and rest in the core of your being. You cannot steal enough. You cannot deceive people enough. There is nothing in this world, either good or evil, either one. Here he speaks a lot about evil, but also good. You cannot volunteer enough in the places where people have a need for your services. You cannot give enough for people to be satisfied so that you also will be satisfied. You can never do enough. There is not enough good you can do or evil that you can do in order to fulfill the deepest needs that you have within you. And that's what I wanted to focus on in this program is to explain to you that your life is before you and you get to choose how you are going to live it. You are the one who is going to be responsible for what your life looks like when you reach the end of it and you look back and examine what your life was. Now, I understand that there are circumstances where we can be victims of other people's decisions. I understand that. But beyond that, you are responsible and you will. You will decide how you are going to live between now and then. And I'm telling you, the life in the world, in the indulgence of the flesh, it will never satisfy If you participate in these things, you may do them and be very successful at these things. And yet at the end, you will feel just as empty, if not more so than when you first got started. And in the context of religion, of trying to do good things, not evil things, but trying to do good things, be obedient to God so that perhaps you can get his attention and he will intervene in a divine way. You know what? Even if he does... Even if he does, and he blesses you with all the blessings that he described in the Old Testament, even if he delivers everything that he could possibly deliver to you, it still wouldn't be enough. Even if he makes you king over the planet, 
it still wouldn't be enough if he makes you in charge, if he puts you in a position of authority in order to make all the decisions for everybody and everybody's life in the entire world, you're still going to be just as empty as if you had nothing. I want you to consider this and to realize that both lives are a total dead end. The life in the world is a dead end. The life in religion is a dead end also. If the Lord intervenes and gives you all that your heart desires in the context of the world, it still wouldn't be enough. No, there is another way of living entirely, and that is living with him in you. And I know that might sound simple. You might be wondering, well, gosh, Aaron, there must be something more to it than that. Well, I did do some programs titled The Will of God, Our Identity in Christ. I do get into some more details concerning what we have received as an inheritance and how those things might be applied in our life. Yes, there are more things that we could talk about, but they all get distilled down. They all get boiled down to one simple thing, and that is that your God is a person and he is with you and he loves you. He accepts you. He is not ashamed of you. And he will give you discernment. He will give you sober-minded discernment about the world that you are a part of and that he is a part of. He will give you understanding and will illuminate to you what he is involved in. And he will allow you to participate in what he is involved in. And you know, as you grow in your life, as you live, grow in the sense that you continue to grow older, grow in the sense of maturity, grow in the sense of discovery. As you continue to experience this, his wisdom will become manifest to you. The discernment that he gives is one thing, but the application of it is something that you experience while living your life. And that is manifested in the context of wisdom. As you engage the world with what he has given to you, and you do so over time, you will also begin to experience the value of who he is to you. And the temptations of life will dissipate. I understand that they're not going to completely disappear, but you will see a reduction. You will see a reduction of the temptations for you personally, just simply because they won't have any meaning for you anymore, because you'll know better. You will eventually know the difference. And between the time when you do not and you do, be thankful for what he is doing. Be thankful for the work that he is doing in your heart and live with the expectation and the anticipation that one day you will discover that, yes, in this context, he is enough. Yes, he is someone that you can be thankful for. And the life that he has given to you and the life that you have before you is something that you can be very thankful for. And as you experience this over the longevity of your life, you will experience something called fortitude. Fortitude, a description of saying no to evil, of saying no to sin over a period of time because of the transformation that he does within you. That is something to look forward to. That is something that I believe you can anticipate. And you should enjoy the process of this work that he does within you. Looking forward to the day when divine fortitude is manifested within your life. Temperance is another description the temperance, not in the sense that you are hardened to reality or that you are hardened to the struggles of life, that you can withstand the onslaughts of the sufferings that you may encounter. 
No, temperance in the sense that you are hardened in conviction, that you are hardened in your peace, that you are hardened because regardless of what the world brings to you, regardless of the sufferings that you experience, you depend on his strength. That is the kind of temperance that I'm referring to. Not temperance in the sense that you become so strong that you can handle everything. No, temperance in the sense that you become so weak that you depend on He who can withstand everything and who can make use of all things for His glory. That is the type of temperance that I am referring to. And the fortitude in terms of the longevity behind that, in combination with the wisdom that He reveals, This is the work that he does within his people. When a person turns to him for who he is and lives their life out of who he is, what he has given, and what he is doing, then this is something that I believe that everyone can look forward to. Unfortunately, in most cases, people never experience this. And one of the reasons why is not because they don't believe in it. The main reasons why have to do with the fact that there are other things that they also believe that contradict many of the things that I have been speaking about. And these are difficult obstacles to get past because they are individual obstacles that people deal with on an individual basis. There are many things that people share in common, such as the issues concerning forgiveness and law and grace. I have produced many programs on those subjects where I've attempted to take away the most common barriers that keep people from experiencing what I am describing. And I would like to encourage you to continue to listen to the programs that I have produced on these various subjects, because I do believe that you will find freedom through discovering what your God has already done on your behalf. The Lord Jesus spoke about abiding in his word, abiding in him, because it is through abiding in him that we discover the truth. And in many cases, the truth will set us free. He will set us free, of course, but it is the truth that he communicates to us that sets us free But the reason why it sets us free in this context is because there are many things that we believe that are not true. And those things that we believe that are not true put us in bondage. And so if you discover that you are in bondage in any way whatsoever, then please consider that it's probably because you are believing something that is not true. And reconsider your beliefs accordingly. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net thank you